Matthew 20, 25 to 28 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even th- for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Today we are wrapping up our series on the parables of Jesus with the seventh and final theme, the least will be greatest. Stick around. We made it to the end of our parable series, Jason. I know. I thought the fanfare was for my birthday, which is today. Oh, it is? But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Doug remembered. <laughs> no. Nope. You should know Doug never <laughs> remembers anything. Nope. <laughs> oh, let's it's all, all good. join together in one chorus across the globe uh, and say, Happy birthday, I Jason I can hear all the, la- all the different languages. <laughs> yes. The, this is great. Every nation congregation crying yeah. out, Happy February birthday. 19th, the day of my birth. You know, Doug, I turned 30 today, so it's about time I go do my ministry. See ya. 30. <laughs> <laughs> go do my ministry. I don't get the reference. Jesus was 30. Oh, when I he get it. His ministry. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. That's really good. Man. 30 years old. Yeah. Ripe old. Tell us what, tell us a nugget of wisdom that you are learning in your now 30th year. Uh, nugget of wisdom. Don't put Twinkies on your pizza. Wow, that is wise. It's from Heavyweights. <laughs> <laughs> One of the all time best movies for people of our generation. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's doable discipleship, everybody. It is. It is. <laughs> it's a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. But we like to call it the show that helps you grow. Oh, there, there it is. I'm still, I'm still laughing inside because I saw the way your face lit up when I did that I fanfare. I was so excited. And it wasn't and then for depressed. you. Oh, no. I'm the worst friend. That's okay. Oh, man. Yours uh, is sometime in November. That I know. That's true. But you remembered mine when it came time for the episode. Did I? Yep, you oh, did. Cool. You really did. Okay. Anyway, if you're just joining us, uh, we're finishing up our series on the parables of Jesus. Uh, we have not covered every single parable, but we have covered, or at least at the end of today, we will have covered the seven key themes from Jesus's parables. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to the rest of the series, if you're just now joining us, you're new to the show, hello. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. Go back to episode 84 and listen to the episode called The Power of the Parable, um, because that'll help you understand how to read and interpret parables, because let's be honest, you're probably doing it wrong, because most people do. They mostly interpret parables wrong because they don't understand what they're all about and how they are meant to work. So go back and read that one. Today's theme, as Jason said in our beautiful, beautiful intro that he did, is that the least will be greatest. And uh, to look at that, we're going to check out a parable. Uh, not just any any parable, Doug. The parable of the mustard seed. Mm-hmm. This can be found in Mark chapter four, verses thirty through thirty-two. If you are reading along, this makes me think of mustard. Mustard makes me think of corn dogs. Mm. This is going to be forever remembered as the corn, corn dog, dog episode, episode in my mind. I don't care for mustard, but I do like corn dogs. So. Well, hopefully you like parables about mustard. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, okay, Mark uh, four thirty through thirty-two says, Jesus said. How can I describe the kingdom of God? 
I love that, by the way. I just pictured <laughs> Jesus like kind of so tilting well. his head back, looking up, rub, like yeah. you know, just do, caressing his beard and saying, "How can hmm, I how describe the kingdom of God? <laughs> what story should I use to illustrate it?" I love. He's like, "I got, I got, I got a plethora of stories." What Which I wonder is, I did one of his disciples uh, like uh, pipe up and say, "Like, oh Jesus, do this one"? <laughs> <laughs> we just don't get that. Your greatest hits. Um, what story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. I just, I, I love that Jesus, he takes the time, he sits there, and he says, how should I describe it? Mm-hmm. Thinks about it, and this is what he chooses. If this That's was great. extemporaneous, like if he just said this off the top of his head, wow. <laughs> This parable illustrates that big things often come from small beginnings. There's there's really not much smaller than a mustard seed. If you've never seen a mustard seed, it's it's not much more than a grain of sand. Yeah, it is very it's very tiny. small. In fact, no. In fact, God seems to be a big fan of working in this way. No one in the kingdom should ever count themselves out simply because they are weak or small, or poor, or uneducated, or anything else. That's a huge theme in this. And mm-hmm. we talked about last week the idea of, of, of reaching out to the unpopular, if you will, or, or the less than, if you, if, you know, if you think about it that way. No one in the, but no one in the kingdom should ever count themselves out because they are weak or small or poor or uneducated or anything else. Because remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, the Lord looks at the heart, and there is no limit to what he can do with a person who is fully surrendered to him, no matter how lowly they may appear. And I absolutely love that that thought because it puts it puts our life, it puts perspective back into God's it's God's hands and looking at who God is as the source of the purpose of our lives. Mm-hmm. We can we should view achievement, we should view success through the lens of God, not through the lens of man. Um, and the global church is really a great example of this. The church began as a tiny movement among a handful of obscure Jewish tradesmen, fishermen, tax collectors, etc., and yet billions of people have been impacted over the past 2,000 years. Look at 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 what you get in the gospels and in acts and then think about the church as you as you know it today of uh, the global church it's just and all and throughout these 2000 year history it's just mm-hmm. crazy to see the impact jesus is one man who began a worldwide rebirth he is a tiny seed that grew into something enormous something that is still growing even to this day and there's this great uh a passage that encapsulates this in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 28. As Paul says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. Another central message we see in Jesus' teaching that fits into this same vein is that the kingdom of heaven rewards humility, not greatness. Weakness, not power. 
it's one of it's one of my favorite themes is the theme of power and weakness. Um, I'm excited to get into it today. In in one example, Jesus he he uses a little child to illustrate his point, and we might call this a a live parable or maybe even just an object lesson. Mm-hmm. I figured out what I'm going to get you for your birthday, by the way. Did you? Yeah. Oh. I'm going to get you two pillows that you can put on your hands when we record as oh. you continuously bash the table. I'm not bashing the table. <laughs> I am up here. <laughs> okay. Being live. Okay. I, I, I talk with my hands. You do. You, you, and, uh, you definitely talk with your hands. Yeah. <clears throat> All theater, right. Let's look at the theater major, Doug. <laughs> theater major. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you doing Macbeth now. Uh what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I can pull up my Macbeth monologue. I I, I still remember. Uh, well, if this we'll episode ends up too short, and we need to <laughs> add a little on the we'll end. We'll just add we it to that. it. <laughs> well, let's talk about this uh, illustrative point that uh, Jason was just making. This, uh, you know, I just kind of calling it a live parable, like Jason said, an object lesson, because it's not a parable in like the sense of it being a story, but it is a parable in the truest sense. If you remember from episode eighty-four, that a parable means to cast beside. So Jesus is casting one idea along another here. So this is very much a parable in the strict sense of the word. Uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 4, uh, it says, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. This kid must have been like, what, What's going on? Uh, okay. Uh, what is he? <laughs> then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is a real inversion that Jesus is doing here, and this is kind of the theme of the day, is there's a flipping that Jesus tends to do. He's taking us to the upside down. Many times, yeah, the upside down. <laughs> there are many times where Jesus says, like, says things like, well, you've heard it said this, but I say this, and he flips things on their head. And this is a really good example of that, because... Uh, what he's telling us here is that the greatest honors in heaven are reserved for those who follow Jesus with humility in this life, like children. Jesus is talking about becoming like children in the sense of humility here. And sometime in the future, I think we'll, we'll maybe do a, an episode or maybe a little series on what it means to follow Jesus with childlike faith, because that's kind of like a, it's kind of a cliche thing, but it, it is really drawn straight out of Jesus's ministry. And um, there's a lot of meaning packed into into this whole childlike notion or childlike motif of the New Testament. I'll have to check that out sometime. But for this point, Jesus is saying that we should model ourselves after children in the sense of humility. <clears throat> and if, if you think of children, I mean, children sometimes can be idolized by their parents and that kind of stuff. But um, when you think of children at the really basic level, they are, at least in some ways, the lowliest people in society because they're small, they're weak, they're vulnerable, they're uneducated, they they can't solve their own problems, they can't provide for themselves, all that kind of stuff. And yet, Jesus is telling us here that God holds children in extremely high regard. Uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus lived in a time where I don't think there was a whole lot of helicopter parenting going on or too much, you know, indulging of children going on compared to today's standard. So Jesus, when he talks about children, he really is talking about people who are kind of lowly. And... <clears throat> So when he flips the script like this, uh, it's it's a powerful image for people. And the fact that he actually brought a kid over, too, is just adds to the strength of his statement. To, to illustrate something in a physical way like that is powerful. <clears throat> Let's look here at Luke chapter 13, verses 23 through 30, because um, it's going to carry us into this upside-down concept really, really well. It says, Somebody asked him, Lord, 
Will only a few be saved? He replied, Work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, But we ate and drank with you, and you taught us in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out. And people will come from all over the world, from east and west and north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who seem least important now will be the greatest then, and some who are the greatest now will be the least important then. Again, the kingdom of heaven rewards humility, not greatness, weakness, and not power. This is why some have called the kingdom of God an inverted or an upside-down kingdom. And we'll be kind of continuing in that theme uh, as we move into this next section. Yeah, so a few thoughts on how to live in this upside-down kingdom that we've been talking about. Um, because sometimes it, it requires uh, changing the way that you think and really uh, looking at things differently. And again, we're talking about the ways of the kingdom of God, not the ways of the world. And so it requires us to be a little more intentional about how we think about it. Uh, so the first thought we have here is, put myself last so that others can be first. Um, there's uh, uh, This passage in Luke 14 talks about this. Um, he says, When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. I <laughs> just love the honesty. Then you will be embarrassed. <laughs> yep. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Mm. It's What this really is getting at is this heart piece of how do you think of yourself? Do you think of yourself as somebody who is better than others, who is more distinguished or honorable than others, as somebody who belongs at the head of the table? Or do you think mm. of yourself as a servant, as somebody who is willing to take the seat at the far end of the table, you know, no, like, I don't need, you know, I don't think of myself as better than others. I'll sit at the other end of the table. Mm. And it, it's it's really getting at this at this place of humility, of, of do you think of yourself with, with humility? Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, this isn't about a this isn't about a false modesty or you know you're not you're not playing a game to try no, to. Oh, like, I'm gonna sit down there so on. that I can be. Yeah, oh, I'm around. nothing. I'm nothing. I'm yeah. nothing. And it, this is not fishing for honor or fishing for compliments. You know, people who go around, <clears throat> you know, constantly insulting themselves sometimes are 
concealing a desire to be petted by other people. And so, oh, I'm, you know, I'm ugly or I'm so dumb or I'm, I'm this or I'm that. <clears throat> and they're looking to, uh, they're, they're trying to um, sort of um, almost trick people into feeding them compliments. And so there can be a kind of a diabolical thing happening behind that. This isn't about just tearing yourself down. It's just a matter of saying, you know what, I don't have to be the most important thing. I don't have to be the, you know, the biggest you know, hoopla at the party. I, I don't mind just taking a, a simple and humble seat. And if somebody else wants to honor you, that's that's fine, all well and good, but you don't have to go and, and, yeah. and be hunting for recognition. That is not the way of the kingdom of God. So that was the first one, put myself last so others can be first. Second one is make personal sacrifices for the benefit of my neighbors. And by neighbors, I don't simply mean the people who live to the left and to the right of you. I mean... Um, neighbors in the New Testament sense of everybody around you is your neighbor. Everybody who you have contact with is your neighbor. First <clears throat> John three sixteen through 18. Um, this is the apostle John speaking. He says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, Let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So there is a, a place in the kingdom for God's kids <clears throat> to look out for one another, to help meet each other's needs. And that may involve making some personal sacrifices. Um, Jesus commands you know, people who come to him often saying, if you really want to be my follower, you got to go sell your possessions and give them to the poor and, and that kind of thing. Jesus is not necessarily saying that to follow him you need to be you need you need to make yourself poor, but what he is saying is that you should loosen your grip on your possessions and on your wealth so that you can be a blessing to other people. Because <clears throat> again, this is kind of the nature of humility is to say I'm not the most important person on earth. And I am not going to prioritize my needs over the needs of others or my desires over the desires of others. And I like the way John puts it here too because he puts it in a really I think kind of a temperate way. He says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can the love of Christ be in that person? Or how can God's love be in that person? <clears throat> so he's not saying, you know, necessarily like drive yourself into poverty and put your family at risk and all that stuff in order to give to others. Although that's something that God may call someone to do. What he's really saying is, look, a lot of you and a lot of you who are listening, and this goes for me and Jason too, have a little more than you need. And if you have more than you need, then you should be giving to help others who have less than they need. That that is kind of the way of the kingdom. Yeah, and this is is not just a monetary thing either. This mm-hmm. is also in using your time, using your talent, using you know skills that you have or whatever to you know to help others that are in need. Um, it could be you know we well, the the New Testament talks so much about riches and poverty, but but we have to remember that riches and poverty has a lot more. Th- yeah. There's a lot more to that than than just money. Yes, uh, money keeps coming up, but that's that's not. Y- y- you need to be able to see behind just the 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 simple approach to money and see that there is a a greater principle that lies behind that beyond so, the pocketbook. You may be wealthy in a lot of different ways. Uh, you may be poor financially, but wealthy in a lot of other ways. Mm-hmm. So you sharing your wealth, quote unquote, wealth with someone else might look something might look entirely. Uh, different from person to person and situation to situation. Sharing your wealth could be something as simple as maybe you've got, maybe you don't have a ton of money. Maybe you're living a pretty humble life in terms of, you know, and you know, you're not living in the lap of luxury or anything like that, but maybe you just have a rich and loving family 
And maybe you can share your family. Maybe that's the wealth that you can share with others. That could be, you know, not long ago we came out of the Christmas season. Maybe it's inviting somebody to come over and share Christmas with your family who doesn't have family in the area. That is a way that you can share your wealth with someone who doesn't have as much. So think creatively here and understand that there's a principle lying behind um, the, the simple example of money. Yeah, another just... Uh, to stand this for one more second. Another great example is using your trade or using your skills to help oh, others. Yeah. Um, an example is this: is is we have a peace center at the Lake Forest campus, and there's some at other campuses as well. I know that the one at the Lake Forest campus offers legal aid to people that need legal advice but can't afford to pay a lawyer to talk with them. So they have lawyers that volunteer their time and services at the Peace Center and meet with people. Mm. Um, that's, that's just another example, just an example. Yeah, of, that's great. Yeah. Um, so the next idea, so we've talked about putting myself last so that others can be first. We've talked about making personal sacrifices for the benefit of my neighbor. The third one we want to talk about is loving your enemies. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 says it like this. You have heard the law that says... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you were only kind, if you were kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So it's this idea of not just doing what is easy, but doing what can sometimes be difficult, mm-hmm. um, or not just doing what comes naturally, but doing what yeah. comes unnaturally. Yeah, and in what this in what this is getting at is is making the choice to love. Mm-hmm. Love is is a choice. It's a choice uh, in in how you act. It's a choice of how you think. It's a choice of what you do and what you say. Is making these choices in love. And what Jesus is talking about here is making the choice to love not only the people that you like, but the people that you don't like, or the people that are your quote-unquote enemies. So an example in the real world can be if you have a, um, if you've been having a really difficult time with a person at work or a neighbor, and this person is just grinding your gears and just making life miserable for you. <laughs> what we want to do, what comes natural to us, is to you know either do something to get back at them, or to ignore them, or or you know to you know gossip about in them. your in your mind wish harm upon them. You know mm-hmm. whatever is this? It's this idea of getting back at mm-hmm. or trying to get even with. Yeah. But what God is saying here is is no, like pray for that person, mm-hmm. wish well for that person, um, go out of your way to do something in love for that person. Even if, even if that person doesn't do you a single bit of good, you can still do good for them. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, bring their trash can back towards their gate if it had started to roll down the street. 
as an example, it's been windy over here. So I've been. seen trash cans rolling down the street. And like, you know, as you can do these little things for them. And they don't even have to be noticeable things. Yeah. They don't have to be, you know, you don't wait until the person gets home and then show, hey, I'm moving your trash can back for you. <laughs> yeah. No, just do it. Uh, that's just, Derek's trash can. I just <laughs> let it get run over by a bus or something. I can't believe you chose Derek. <laughs> that was great. Well, um, you're, making, you're making a good point here. And, and I, I want to... Just to add one more thing that I think kind of ties into this. We we're living in a we're living in a day, and, and actually I don't think we're living in it. I think people have always been like this. I think it's just mm-hmm. it's just taking it's just manifesting itself in a particular way these days. But we very much live in a world where people want to do whatever feels right to them. They they want to be governed by their feelings. But you can't be a follower of Jesus and be governed by your feelings. It doesn't work that way. To be a follower of Jesus means you have to be governed by your will, and your will needs to be governed by your commitment to Christ. And who he is, and so Deep. you cannot, you cannot live as a follower of Jesus if you're going to keep being blown around by your fleeting feelings. If your behavior is going to be driven only by how you feel in that moment, you cannot be a follower of God. So, this whole idea of loving your enemies is is a way of saying, and Jesus commanded us to do this because it's a way of us, it's a way for us to exercise a muscle that, for most people, has shriveled up to to nothing, and that muscle is the muscle of will. That is the ability to overcome my instincts, overcome my natural desires, and overcome my sort of my pettier feelings and um, control those and become the master of those by incorp- by making use of my higher thinking and my uh, higher principles, my values, and ultimately my commitment to Jesus Christ. So this is a this is. Jesus says, loves your enemies because he knows that's like one of the hardest things to do. It's like, if you can do that, well, you're, you're, you're strengthening your, your commitment to Christ and you're strengthening your ability to master your own urges. Um, all right, so loving your enemies is a big one. Next one. Uh, and again, we're talking about ways to live in the upside down kingdom. How do we live in a way that, that honors the kingdom of God? Another way is to work diligently in everything, but do not seek recognition in this life. So be a diligent, hardworking, focused person who who um, you know, who doesn't phone it in. It's not a slacker. Um, Colossians three twenty three through twenty four says, "Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the Master you are serving is Christ." So again, this ties right back to what we were just saying a minute ago that the Master you're serving is Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> whatever you do. Whatever, whatever your, uh, you do as a vocation or when you think of all the, ch- the day-to-day chores that you have to do, the little things that, you know, human life, uh, I was reflecting on this year that I was like, wow, you know, there's a lot of like real, um, you know, like big, like high level sort of exciting um, like ways for us to think about life and we think about, you know, metaphors for like human existence. We think of it as like this really high thing, but at the same time, most of life is made up of like really simple daily tasks, just mm-hmm. going about our business. You know, human life is a lot of things, but you know, it's also washing dishes. <laughs> it's also, <laughs> you know, driving to work or driving the kids to school. Picking it's, up after your dog. <laughs> it's, it's picking up after <laughs> your dog. Yes, it's, it's all these little things. But Jesus is saying that all of those things are actually opportunities to honor God, that you can actually find 
uh, great meaning and actual spiritual value in those little mundane things that you do each and every day. I mean, you can literally, you can pick up after your dog for the glory of God. If you work diligently, you do it with an attitude of, of, um, of devotion to God, and you say, look, I'm not above this. I'm going to do what I got to do. I'm going to, um, I'm going to be obedient in all things, and I'm going to go through my day recognizing that there's dignity in the life that I'm living, even if it's uh, even if it seems like I'm just, you know, in a cycle of mundane stuff, it's 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 the ability to see the high and holy calling in even the simplest parts of our life. So work diligently because even the littlest, seemingly most insignificant parts of your life are part of what God considers to be a deeply significant existence. You are important to God, and the things that you do are important. The life that you live is important, even the little parts of it. And they're character building. They it, great point. I feel like you just got me where I my brain wasn't wasn't getting me just all the way. Wrapped up that little bow for <laughs> way you. To, way to tie a bow on it. Uh, the next part we want to talk about is counteract your pride. We see this in Philippians two three through four says, "Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too." Um, there's this great little book. Um, Maybe you've heard of it, but it, it has a really famous opening line that says, "It's not about you." Yeah, I don't. I don't think I know what that one is. Well, maybe you should give it a read sometime. <laughs> um, it's and really that's that that's what this that's that's a phrase that we need to have like it, it tattooed on our arms or something. To He's talking just, about the purpose of oh, life. Oh well, by the way. yeah. If, in case if you're you didn't not know. getting the inside joke. Sorry, inside joke. Yeah, it's it's purpose of life. It starts with this idea of it's not about you, and really, it sets the stage to counteract pride. That when we point things back to God, and when we look at all that God made, and God made everybody, therefore we should look at also everybody. And it just takes that focus away from ourselves. It gives. It takes away a myopic point of view where we just look inward or look at ourselves and think the world revolves around us, but points it back to God and then looks at the world through that lens. Your word of the day is myopic. myopic. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. The next one is immerse yourself in the Bible and get this last part, obey it. Whoa. Spend time in the Bible and obey what it says. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. I'll read this pretty quickly because I don't want to go on too long here. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When it rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The wise man <clears throat> built his house upon the rock. The wise man just got in my head. That's good. Okay. I remember learning that as a kid, but I, I wouldn't be able to recite it now. <laughs> so this means you need to be having a daily quiet time. You need to be spending time in God's word each and every day. If you're not, you are not rooting yourself in the teachings of Christ. And if you are not, if those are not fresh in your mind, if you don't know them, how can you live them out? Yeah. You cannot obey okay, obey commands that you are not aware of. So make sure you spend the time in your Bible. And just because you know them doesn't mean you are obeying them perfectly. This needs to be revisited. We need to be revisiting the commands of Christ so that we can uh, obey them with consistency and for the long haul. We're developing new habits. We're becoming a new creation. 
that's not easy. It takes time. And we should mention, if you need help getting started in developing the habit of a daily quiet time, go back and listen to our Let's Hang Out With God episode. Yeah. Uh, which you can just search for on YouTube or in the show notes. I'm sure Doug will put it in there. <clears throat> or you could just scroll down to Let's Hang Out With God. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I want to say it's maybe like 25 episodes back-ish, something like that. I just looked it up yesterday because I mentioned it at high school or high school ministry. When hmm. I, um, no matter. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, our final point in this is ask God for help along the way. James 1, 2 through 5 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. You're not meant to go through life alone. You are especially not meant to think that you can just walk through life on your own um, bona fides and just do it yourself and to think, ah, I got this. No. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't do things with God, then we do it without God's power. And it's it's and then it falls to our imperfections all the time. So ask God for help along the way. He wants to walk through, he wants to do life with you on earth. He wants to he wants to give you direction. He wants to give you guidance. He wants to give you wisdom, all these things he has Mm -hmm. available for you. You just need to ask him and partner with him and do things with him. Yeah. And the work of transformation that's being accomplished in you is his work. He's the one doing that. We have to lean on him for that process. Or also called sanctification. Uh, Another word of the day. So right. So yeah, this whole concept of living in the upside down kingdom involves doing things that don't come naturally to you. And you're going to need God's help to do that. You're going to need God's help to kind of figure out which way is up in his kingdom. So <clears throat> let us let me just recap those real quick, because I feel like we just uh, shot you in the face with a <laughs> fire hose. <laughs> wow. Now, now, like, <laughs> or with a bottle of Diet Coke with Mentos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so if you want to live in the upside down kingdom, a few thoughts on that. Put yourself last so others can be first. Make personal sacrifices for the benefit of neighbors. Love your enemies. Work diligent in everything. Work diligently in everything, but don't seek recognition. Counteract your pride. Immerse yourself in the Bible and obey it. And ask God for help along the way. Let's end with a quick doable. Uh, Here's what what I want to encourage you to do this week. I want you to do three anonymous operative word acts of generosity. And by that, I mean, I I want you to identify three ways that you can give to someone or serve somebody this week. I want you to identify three people and how can you serve them or give to them this week. And I'm not going to like tell you how to do this. Be creative. Just think about it. Maybe ask God to show you the right people uh, and ask God to you know, kind of help you think of what's the what's the right and best way to serve or give to those people. <clears throat> and, it, you know, you can think of this as random, just three random acts of kindness. But here's a rule that I want you to follow. If you're going to do this doable, this is the rule. The act of generosity must not bring any attention to you. Nobody but you and God is allowed to know what you've done. This means if you're planning on... Leaving something on a doorstep and ding dong ditching, make sure they, they don't can't have, a, have nest or yeah. a, a ring doorbell or yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Check for cameras before you. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so nobody is allowed to know what you've done. Now, what's the point of this? You're like, well, why, why, the, why these rules? Well, the point is, when we show generosity to another person, we lift them up. But sometimes we show generosity to other people with hidden motives. And secretly, we want to lift ourselves up as well. And we want them to thank us for what we've done. And, oh, it was really nothing. I, you know, no trouble at all, whatever. But secretly, we're patting ourselves on the back because, you know, we're humans. We enjoy praise from others, and we like to give ourselves credit for the good things that we do. But that is not the way we live in the upside-down kingdom. So the test here is, are you willing to make a sacrifice for somebody else when there is nothing in it for you, not even credit, not even attention or praise. When we place others above ourselves, we're living in the upside-down kingdom. So, I don't know. Could, could, be, could be absolutely anything. Could be a financial gift to someone you know is struggling. It could, be a, it could be some other kind of gift. It could be an act of service. Although, be careful, though, because an act of service could get you discovered. <laughs> so, just be thoughtful about that. Remember... Anonymity is the point of this. Jesus said that if you do your good deeds in public so that others will see you, you have received your full reward. But if you do those things in secret, if you, if you, whether it's an act of service or a gift you're giving or it's, it's your daily prayers, if you do that in secret where only the Lord can see you, your reward will be in heaven. So three anonymous acts of kindness and generosity this week I encourage you to do. When you do them is up to you. How you do them is up to you. Who you do them to is up to you. But keep it anonymous. I think that's it for this week. This is episode 91. I'm now that we're in the 90s. I know. I'm just like, what? It's, episode 100 is coming. It's crazy. We got we're going to do something special for episode We're going to have a huge party for 100. <laughs> we're going to all of the guests we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It'll be, like, it'll be a big anniversary episode. <clears throat> uh yeah, oh, man, I'm getting excited. If, yeah. if we hit if we hit 100 episodes, I'm going to just be like I'll just if, be high-fiving people all I wonder over if 100 is going to be our Easter special. That'd be a crazy overlap. It could. We haven't added up. It could yeah, be. Could I have be. to do the math on that. I won't do it while we're <laughs> on the air. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. We love you. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Music